Last week, we talked about the marriage and we kind of give some guidelines. You do know that when we preach like this, especially on expansive subjects like marriage and family, that you cannot even begin to say everything that needs to be said in the service. So uh, I like to say it this way, uh, I'm gonna jump them, you have to run them. And that means that we kind of open it up and then you have to take the initiative to move and do something. Look, if you let life happen all by itself, it may not turn out exactly like you want it. I would suggest that you be diligent in, in your life. You take it for what it's really worth, which is the gift of God, and you, you do something with it. So today, we, we, we're in InstaFam part two, and we, we've, we've entitled it hashtag kiddos. And, uh, and it's, it's talking about raising kids, of course. And we realize in this, in this room right now, there are all kinds of families. There's, there's uh, the nuclear family, there's blended families, there's, there's first uh, you know, uh, generational families, third generational, skip generational families. And we explained all that last week of what all that means. But you know, when it comes to raising kids, uh, the goal is to begin to prepare them to launch. We actually are raising adults in a sense. So those little guys that are sitting on the side of you or that in children's ministry right now know this, that you're raising an adult because you only have them 18 to 20 years, some of you 25, some of you unfortunate ones 32, and some of you who just can't seem to get it right, 47 years old, he's in the back room. So you launch them and it, 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 it's really, you know, when you, when you have children, you start raising them up and it's like on an incline, but, but then there comes a place like in the teen years where all of a sudden it ramps up very rapidly and it's supposed to. Sometimes the reason why young people get all weirded out in their teen years is because mama's holding them back with her apron strings. It takes a lot of wisdom on when to release, how much to release, and who to release it to. It takes a lot of wisdom to raise kids the proper way. And so someone once said the greatest accomplishment may not be something that you've done, but someone you have raised. And I think that's very, very powerful that we do that. Last week as we talked about the marriage, we were in Ephesians chapter five, and it's amazing, right after Ephesians chapter five, the Holy Spirit through Apostle Paul uh, addresses families addresses parents and in the sixth chapter of the fourth verse it says fathers and we could add in their mothers too fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them rather bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord so there is a bringing up and it takes instruction and it takes discipline we might add it takes a lot of wisdom also and then in Psalm 127 verse 3 the Bible says children are a gift from the Lord. They are reward from him. So God gives us children and we manage them for a while, but they, they belong to the Lord. Uh, Casey just said the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that, can, that also means all the people that are in there. So God entrusts us. Then God instructs us on how to raise children. And... Uh, we're gonna follow that. Now, I brought a kite out today just for illustration purposes. Now, I wanna let you know that I'm a kite flyer from way back as kids. That's what we did. We didn't have internet, smartphones. We didn't have Snapchat. We didn't have nothing but the woods, short pants, and, 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 and a kite. And now this kite right here, I bought especially for today. This kite is about 50 years old. This is a real kite. This is a kite that takes somebody who's able to fly a kite. Nowadays, you, you, know, you don't need nothing. Just kind of just throw it up there. Just, but this is the kind that you had to put out 100 feet of string and run until you could hardly move 
to get it off the, off the air, you understand, up there. So it's a vintage kite. I just love flying kites, always have. Don't do it as much as I should. I think I'll start doing it more, though. But, but, but that, that's going to come into play in just a moment. But a kid is like a kite, really and truly. But in, in Psalm 139, verse 13, I want to read some verses out of the message paraphrase for you that says it this way. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Look, I'm like an open book. You, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. I love these verses here because it really gives us our framework for the sanctity of human life. It teaches us from the word of God that, that birth uh, comes, but that life begins at conception. And so as soon as the, 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 the child is conceived, there is life in the mother's womb. God forms us in our womb. That's why the womb should be the safest place for a child to be, and in some cases it's not at all safe. God created us in our mother's womb to be born, to be birthed, to grow up with great potential, to be great adults and to glorify him. So we are a church, we are a people who believe in the sanctity of human life. That's what we believe. My choice is let every child live. So I guess I am pro-choice. Let every child live. Every child. And so parroting is like flying a kite. And today, just for illustration purposes, I want to just use this kite as the kite is the kid. And I use the word kid, you know, in the right language. Some people have corrected me about that, but kiddos, kids, children, I like it all. I love kids. And kids are like a kite. They, they have such great potential. Every child, when they're born, they have such great potential. When I see a little baby, uh, sometimes when I see uh, criminals that are 45 years old in prison, I, I think, and, and the first thing I think about is, one day they were a little infant. They were a child, just a, an infant, with such great potential to do good. With, with, they're, they're filled with giftings. You know, children are, they, they have individual personalities. If you haven't noticed that, your kids are different. And they have these, these special personalities. That's why it takes such wisdom to raise them. And then, then, of course, the child has the potential to sin. We are born with a sin nature. And we don't like to say that. We don't like to believe that. But it's true. It's true that every person, our parents, Adam and Eve, fell into sin. And so everyone inherits sin and a sin nature to do wrong. You never have to teach a child to do wrong. They're, they're, they're experts at it, it seems. Little bitty toddler experts of toddler experts things, if you know what I'm talking about. They're smarter than some parents because sometimes parents don't get it, but they get it. I like to look into their eyes like at three years old across the table, and I, I just speak to them and say, I know what you're doing. And you know what? They know what I'm talking about because they look at me with those eyes like, I didn't been found out. And so also foolishness is up in some children. How many of you know that, that foolishness is bound up in, in a child's heart? The Bible says in Proverbs 22 that a youngster's heart is filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. So everybody's got this foolishness up in them. I mean, kids can be so foolish, and sometimes it's real funny, except when it's not funny. 
And what's funny at the age of three may not be funny at the age of 15. And so the, the child is an open canvas, and, and we're we just, you know, to work with it. It's like this kite. This kite is made out of materials that are just so awesome. I mean, the paper is lightweight, but yet can resist 30-mile-an-hour winds. The, the, the sticks that, that hold the kite together are very, very lightweight, but yet have great strength. The string, which, by the way, is a lot better now than it used to be. You can barely break the string now. Back then, I mean, if the wind blew too hard, and there went your kite, and there we went after it because it cost 39 cents. You understand? I mean, it's, it's stamped right on the little wood right here, 39 cents. You can't buy anything for 39 cents anymore. A glow pop at Home Depot cost me a buck 19 yesterday. You, you understand? So, so there, there, there's, it, it's all lightweight, but it's, it's strong. And, 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 it, and the framing, the materials are lightweight, but the way they're... they're put together, the engineering of it is so strong. Can I tell you that children are more resilient than what people think? Did you understand how resilient kids are? I watched on the news children crossing the Mediterranean see the straits that are so, you know, trying to get out of Syria. And these kids are so resilient. They're walking miles and miles in excruciating heat, but they're resilient. And the, the funny thing is they're in refugee camps and they're playing soccer and they're having a good time. Children are very resilient. So never think that uh, because you ride them a little bit that they're going to fall apart because they're strong. They're lightweight, but they're strong, you understand, and children are very resilient. So the, 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 the kite is made out of great materials, but, but it takes an operator to fly a kite. Now, nowadays, anybody can fly a kite. The way they're made is just like straight up. I flew one the other day in Florida, just straight up. The kite was flying straight up. It wasn't moving. It was like boring, like but these kind of kites, it takes an operator to really fly a kite, and the parents are the operators in the child's life. You have to know your child. Let me just help you to see something here. You have to know your child, just like you know a kite. Every kite was different back then. Now they're all the same, but they were different, and they took on different characteristics. And some would fly, and some were harder to fly than others, and, and we worked hard at it. But children, we need to know our children. You, you need to be at work parenting. Parenting is your job. It's your first job. It's your most important job. And you know your child by observation. Look at them. Know their body language. Know their eye, the way they move their eyes. Know how they act. Know when something's wrong with them before they tell you. Know your child. Observe them. Communicate with your child. Look, I know iPad, iPhone, I know Galaxy, I know all the things, I know TV, I know, you know, Netflix, I know they can communicate with our children. But you need to be able to sit down and communicate with your child and begin to teach them how to communicate with you. You also know them by discernment through prayer. As you pray for your child, let me tell you what the greatest instrument you can have in the teen years is when you pray and God tells you something about your child that they really didn't want to tell you, and then you just tell them, I was praying for you, and it's like a GPS device on the car. It's like, whoa, mom's got an inside track on what I'm doing. But if you'll pray for your child, and if you'll move in discernment and understanding, and if you'll be schooled in what's going on in the communities around about us, if you'll understand what's out there, stay hip on what's going on, don't stick your head in the sand and expect your children to, to just get it on their own, you've got to know your child. You've got to be skilled. 
You've got to know how to handle your child. I tell you, we were skilled kite flyers. We knew when to put it up. We knew how far to put it out. We knew when to bring it in. We knew what to do when it was twirling in a circle. Remember that twirl in a circle? We knew what to do, when to, how much to let out, how much to take in. We were skilled young guys flying kites. We'd fly kites sometimes. We flew one kite one time a 1,000 feet out, and it stayed up all night long. One time. That's a great feat for a paper kite to stay up all night long in South Mississippi with humidity. But it did all night. We were astonished. You have to know how to handle your child. You need to study and do research. You need to surround yourself with good, successful people who have gone before you. Why do we keep trying to reinvent the wheel? Why don't we just get with people and research? I remember when we first had our, our first child, Jan, you know, we weren't Christians. We didn't know anything about that. But Jan bought a little book called The Baby Book. It was about this thick. It was a little paperback book. And she read that book to shreds. I read it to you. She'd read it and tell me. We learned from that book how to handle infants. What do you do when they're crying and they cry? What do you do when they throw up? Are they sick? Did they eat too much? Did they not eat? What to do? We didn't know what to do. Nobody had taught us what to do. But we studied and we researched and we asked questions of people who were right. We let God's word, after we gave our hearts to Jesus, begin to teach us how to handle our children. I remember Carrie at two years old. She, she ran us out of a restaurant one night. My goodness, she was all over the place. She was everywhere. We didn't know what to do. And when I went home, I told Jen, never again. Never again will this happen. And I tell you, the next time we went to a restaurant, 14 years later, we, <laughs> not really, not really. But God's word will teach you how to raise your children if you'll study God's word. And you can't rely just upon the pastor to preach once every year or every two years about how to do it and try to do this and try to memorize all what I'm saying. If you're not taking notes, you're never going to remember what I'm saying. You got to get down. You got to study. You got to make it a big deal. You got to study the word of God. You got to apply the word of God. You got to raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord of the discipline instruction that comes from the Lord. You got to discipline them and then you got to launch them off into this world so that they can be successful and not be swallowed up. You need outside resources to help you, Christian resources. Look, there's a Christian bookstore, there's the internet. My goodness, wells of great information. Don't listen and read the junk. Wells of great information. But you know what, as a church here, we wanna, we wanna aid you, we wanna partner with you. As a matter of fact, on the 30th of this month, September 30th, Wednesday night at 6.30 in building number two, uh, we're gonna meet with you, you parents and students in the student ministry You'll get to worship alongside of your child, show them how to worship. Come on now. You'll, you'll get to hear the word of God alongside of them, and then you'll break into small groups, and you'll give and take information there to help you. We want to resource you in how to do that. So you've got to apply yourself. So nothing's more important. Just devo your series and watch it later. Just come on, sacrifice some time. Come on, come on. Hey, stay connected to me. I see when I start talking about commitment, everybody looks to... Small groups will help you. Family small groups, we've got them. We've got them for blended families. We've got all kind of small groups. Small groups in general will help you. Church life in general will help you. Let me tell you something. I love church life. I love family life. I love church family life. I'm sold out to it. I believe it's the best combination there'll ever be. A good family that's diligent with a good church that teaches right. You put those two together, I believe you've got a winning team. But I'll tell you what's more important than anything else, and that's what goes on in the four walls of your house. 
more than anything else. Society, I don't know all about that. Government, who knows? But I tell you what, in the four walls of my house, Joshua said it better than anybody could say it. He said, as far as me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So as far as me and my house, I don't know about the house next door. I don't know about the teenagers across town. I don't know what's happening over here in this movement and that movement in this generation. But I do know this, in my house, we serve God, period. Not in a legalistic mean way, you understand, but in a good way. So the operator has to have skill. Not only that, the, 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 the kite has got to have string, do you understand? String holds the kite. There's a bridle. You had to actually make this yourself, tie your string to it, and you, you understand, we didn't have this fancy little thing here. We used a stick. Our string was on a stick. But the, the, the string of this kite is what holds everything together. You could say it's like boundaries in a child's life. It's like restraints that create safe environments. The, the string helps guide the kite. It holds the kite close, but it also lets the kite go far. It just depends how much string you wanna let out. Boundaries are absolutely necessary. This idea of no boundaries, just let the child experience life, it's foolish because children are bound up in foolishness and you must remove that foolishness from them. They need restraints. Proverbs 29, 15 says, to discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Another version says that an undisciplined child, a rebellious child will bring shame on the parents. And you've seen that happen over and over again. Some of you might have brought shame. Matter of fact, probably all of us at one time or another bring a certain amount of shame. We mess up, we're not perfect. But it's different whenever a child really, really brings disgrace because they were not disciplined when they were children. And there are stages of development. And I wish we could get into all of them, but zero to five years of age is when a lot of your child's character is formed. That's where the discipline really takes place, where they're, they're trained and they're able to follow the right thing. Then from, from six to say 12 or so, that's another age bracket that we train in. And then of course from 12 or 13 on up into adulthood until we launch is another thing. The thing about it is, is that you can't use the same thing you do at the age of five at the age of 17. You should be progressing as you go further in it and things should be working. And when you start forming a child's character, I believe the, 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 the number one thing that you need to work at is you need to awaken the conscience of your child. The conscience will do a lot of work for you if you help develop it. And you help, developing the, you help develop the conscience by, by awakening it through example. Proper parenting creates these safe environments whereby a child's conscience can be awakened. In other words, you have to correct. You have to teach by word and example. It's an atmospheric uh, happening in the home. It's not just do what I say and then I'm gonna go do what I do. It's doing what I say, saying what I do, watch me, you watch me, do as I do and you'll be all right. These things have to take place. Hypocrisy in the home is the great eruptor. And children are not idiots. They know quickly what's going on in the home. Don't you think that that three-year-old doesn't know when you're fighting with your spouse? 
They know exactly what's going on. And by the time they're seven, they can quote everything that's going on. And by the time they're 12, they choose sides. And they see what's going on. Let us, how about we let them see the good stuff that's going on? How about we let them see how things are worked out? It's amazing what will happen. But it takes discipline and reinforcing principles in order to raise children properly. Now, now you're waking their conscious, <coughs> and that's wonderful. But I believe you need to also teach them self-control in everyday conditions. It's, it's amazing. We need to teach them self-control. And by the way, teaching takes a long time and a lot of effort. And you've got to be there every day. You can't take days off. You've got to teach them self-control in their emotions, in their crying. They've got to control crying. Out of control crying, you need to train that. Because if they can't control their crying when they're little, God help the man that marries that young woman. Come on now, let's get real. And some of you that are cry a lot say, oh my. But you know, physical restraints from tantrums, tant throwing tantrums. I remember I was at Walmart several years ago and a big crowd of people around a kid about nine years old, he was throwing a temper tantrum and all the mama could say was somebody help me. Out of control. Out of control. We've got to teach them to control their appetites. We had a little rule at our house, uh, two cookies, that's it. That's all you need is two cookies. Now, some of you say, I can't believe that. Well, two cookies. And, uh, and uh, sometimes they come to the house and they can have three now. <laughs> of course, they're grown adults. <laughs> no, but it teaches, you know, I, I know some kids that in our, in our youth years ago, that they, 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 they were no appetite control, none, and eat pizza till they vomit. Literally, go outside and vomit. No control. No control in the appetites. Control the appetites because it's more than food because appetites go wild sometimes. And if you teach self-control, they'll be able to control things that are not necessarily good for them. Very, very important. Word training, teaching them what to say, discretion, when to say it, how to say it, what to say, what not to say. You know how toddlers are. They in back of somebody in the, in the food line and they just, what they see is what they say. Mama, look at her, she's, and then they just say whatever they see. They just call it like it is, you know? I mean, the other day I was sitting with my two granddaughters, two of my granddaughters on, on the chair arms, and one of them looked at me real close, and Layla, she put her finger, she, she poked, she said, ooh, it's puffy. It's puffy. That, that is the, that is, that's that, that's the, the bag under the eye. And, and then she, she commenced to go lower, and then she said, ooh, it's puffy. <laughs> just yesterday, Ariana, three years old, said, you got a baby in your belly? <laughs> I mean, they call it like it is, Jackie. There's nothing you can do about it, but we need to teach discretion. It's one thing to say that to Papa, but it's another thing to say that to the woman in the line. <laughs> Out loud, it's just, a, you know, discretion. Shh, shh, oh, shh, shh. You have to teach them how to react to negative circumstances in their life when they get in school. I tell you what, don't try to beat up the bully. Teach them how to handle the bully. And I'll leave you to the discretion in how to do that, you know what I mean? Something different, you know. But you can't always, you know, go to the school teacher, go to the principal, go to this one, call that parent. How about sit your child down and say, let me teach you how to handle these situations in your life because they're never going to stop. Because the kid at school is picking on you when they're older. It's the coworker that wants your job. It's the boss that doesn't like you. It's the supervisor that writes you up for no reason. And if you don't teach them when they're little how to do that, when they're old, they go from job to job to job to job. And they'll never sit down and work through negative situations. 
want to make our kids strong. Then there's training and obedience. Oh my, let's talk about that for a minute. Training and obedience. And parents, you're the example setter, so if you want an obedient child, I suppose you should be obedient too. I think we need to put understandable and realistic boundaries on our children. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to make the string so tight that the kite just goes in a circle and hits the ground because that's what used to happen. Because the winds are going to blow, sometimes good winds, sometimes bad winds, and you got to know how much string to let out, how much string to take in if you're going to fly this kite right here. And, and I'm, I'm, I, you know, these boundaries are so, so very important. You want to train by principle rather than preference. In other words, your principles never change, your preferences do, so don't, cha- don't train by principle preference, trained by principle. If you give in to a child's wants and his rage and all that, he's controlling you and he will control you. And at, you know, at first it's for Kool-Aid and the cookie, but then after all it's for the car and the money. And next thing you know, there's a shove daddy aside say, shut up, I'm taking the car, I'll be back when I want to. And you don't want that to happen. There has to be consistency in training, and that's the hardest thing to do, to be consistent, man, when you're tired, when you're sick, when you don't want to, when it seems like all you're doing is discipline all the time, but I'll tell you, the more you discipline, the less you'll discipline. Inconsistency breeds chaos and confusion in a child's mind, but consistency builds understanding and stability. Proper discipline. Can I talk about that for a minute? Because there's all kind of voices out there that say, don't use discipline. And for this particular part of the, uh, of the message, I'm talking about physical spanking. I said it. Physical spanking. I don't know where you stand on this, but I'm just going to tell you that I believe the Bible teaches it. Proverbs 13, 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. I looked up the word rod. It means a stick, a twig, a, a switch. It means a stick. What can I say? I like to use a small, lightweight, flat, thin paddle. <laughs> to hate means to become an enemy of, to side against their well-being. That's what the word hate means. To discipline means to warn, to restrain, to instruct. And discipline without instruction and guidance may end up in abuse. Unconditional love is absolutely necessary. Now let me tell you the proper way to discipline your child physically. First of all, you cannot be lazy or you'll be violent. Lazy people just beat their kids. Courageous parents who know that the word of God is real will use this method. First of all, you need to instruct your child. We talked about communication. They need to know what the principles are in your home. They need to understand that, and they can. They're very intelligent. And you tell them what you expect. And you never paddle for anything except these two things. Ready? Bad attitude and disobedience. That's the only thing. you, you Spill the milk. You know, accidents. Not, didn't know. No, never, never, never. But when they're direct disobedience, when their attitude is so bad, you have to give them a course correction. They've been instructed. You're instructing constantly. And now they've crossed the line. Send them to their room. Send them to their room and say, I want you to go to your room and think about what's going on, what's happening. Believe me, they know at three years old, they know. Give them time. Give yourself time. Calm down. Very calm. You are calm. You're like the police officer walking up to the back of the car with his ticket book opened. He's very calm. You're getting a ticket. 
I'm very calm. You're getting a spanking. No one's talking me out of it. I, you transgress. Then I sit down on the end of the bed and I say to my child, do you understand what you've done, how you've acted? Do you understand why we're in this room? If they don't understand, you instruct them again. You tell them why you're in the room. Once you tell them, then you tell them. Now, I'm going to administrate a paddling to you. I'm going to spank you because you've transgressed. You've been disobedient to, to, to what I said. I don't get so much into you sinned against God three years old. You understand? Actually, I'm their God at three years old. I'm the only God they know. You understand me. I'm not God. Don't go. I'm not God. I'm not God. TV audience, live stream, I'm not God. I'm just, I use that illustration. And once we, once I know that that child understands that they transgressed, then I say, now I'm going to paddle you. I want you to bend over the bed. And then I apply the Board of Education <laughs> to the seat of understanding. <laughs> A firm, nice pop. If one stroke does it, that's all that's needed. Two strokes it may take, maximum three. If you haven't accomplished it by three swats, you don't know how to paddle. And they should always cry because crying, and I'm not talking about that fake cry junk, like they cried on the way to the room with their hands back here, you know. <laughs> and then you tell them, stay right here. I want you to think about it. Then you leave and you go in your room and sometimes you weep because if you enjoy paddling your kids, make an appointment with me tomorrow morning at seven o'clock in my office, you need help. <laughs> And then you go back in the room, you calm the quietness, you teach self-control, you hug them, you pray for them, you tell them everything's all right, you both stand up, this is done, it's finished, it's never going to be talked about again, we've done what is right, now let's go live life together. That's the proper way. But let me tell you something, parents, that takes so much time, so much strength so much consistency that so many parents rather just scream 14 times if you do it again you're not gonna go to the picnic if you don't do you want a snack if you want a snack you know, quit bribing them man look they'll negotiate themselves right into a snack and right out of discipline and then they'll go in their room and they'll just snicker and say got her right where I want her that's proper that's proper paddling now last a tail now, nowadays, they just use them for looks, but we used to cut our shirts up, sometimes with mom's permission, sometimes without, because you can't use certain materials. If you use a towel, it's too heavy. If you use silk or nylon, it's too light, it does no good. It's got to be the right material. It's got to be the right length, too long waist to kite down, too short, doesn't accomplish what it is. This tale tells me that there needs to be balance within the family. Balance is so, so very important. You've got to avoid legalistic parenting. You can't take a message like this and just get out of it. Yeah, I got to just spank my kid. Get in the room. Whap, 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 and then throw the paddle on the bed and say, be better. Legalistic parenting is abusive. 
You've got to extend grace while you're instructing, while you're telling the truth. You've got to be life-giving, not life-taking. There has to be that wonderful balance. There's got to be balance between work and play. There's got to be family time. Look, I know some of you are trying to woo your children with big vacations, but I'm going to tell you right now, what they'll remember is what took place in the backyard in the living room. The pictures you drew on their little table when they were little. The, the refrigerator with the things on it, the pictures that they took or they drew. It's the little things that matter. It's not the big extravagant things. It's the small everyday things that matter. There has to be honesty and there has to be transparency in the family. Parents, listen to me. Sometimes you will be dead wrong. And as your children grow up more and more, when they get into the teen years, you need to listen to their appeals. Because sometimes you'll say no and then they'll come back to you with an appeal and you need to be man or woman enough sometimes to say, well, you know what? I think I was a little, I was sort of wrong And I think you're right. You can do that. You can get that. You can go there. I trust you. Sometimes for parents to say, I'm wrong, I made a mistake, is one of the greatest things you'll ever tell your children. They already know it, by the way. They just love to hear you say it. They love it when you say it. You're communicating. You're laughing together. You're crying together. You're appreciating together. You know, I was was looking back through a, a, a binder of all kinds of letters I get over the years from people, just about this thick Friday. I'm just fanning through it, just looking at it, looking at it. And I came upon this little note right here that, that I, I, I don't remember it. But this is what it reads. Hey, Dad, I'm sorry for letting you down Wednesday. And I want to say that I'm sorry for doing that. I hope you have a great day, Jordan. And then he put Psalm, P.S., read Psalm 29, 17. Maybe it will make you feel better. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) I don't remember that, but that really touched my heart tremendously. Uh, I can't tell because he's got a horrible handwriting then. His handwriting was so pitiful then and still is. But that tells me that a kid had a conscience and it worked. And I know he was in his teen years there. I don't remember what he did. See that? You don't have to remember everything that somebody did. Just that it's fixed. You don't want to be afraid to confront your children, but you don't always want to be confrontational. And, 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 and let me close with this right here, folks. The best family devotion that you will ever ever do in your family. Here's the most powerful family devotion that I have found is for mom and dad every day to be fully devoted followers of Christ. That is the greatest family devotion that you will ever teach your children to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Now this 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 kite, you know, the amazing thing is about this kite is that when you turn it around, and we just saw this this week, that the sticks form a perfect cross. Our whole goal in life 
Now listen to me very carefully. I like success. I love for our children to be well versed in everything, educated. The greatest goal, my whole purpose for children, my whole goal in life was to see my three children serving God, experiencing the cross. Because without that, all the discipline was not so that I could sacrifice my children on the altar of my pride and say, wow, look how great my kids are. My whole goal was, Lord, you gave me three infants. Can I give you back three adults that are devoted to you? What was I? Did I do it good enough, God? Did my life and my wife's life, mom and dad, reflect Jesus enough to where our children came into the light, like Romans says, and were changed as they chose Christ? Because without that, I don't care how much money they have, how good looking they are, what gifts or talents they possess if it all gets burned up in the judgment of Christ. Jesus is the core of everything that we do, and we cannot forget it. Let's bow our heads together right now, all over the room. As you sit there in that place of authority, parents, children, as you sit in that place of being on the launching pad, Maybe you're not even married. Maybe you don't even have children. Maybe they're all grown and things turned out well or didn't. We find ourselves in today. And today is where we make decisions. I just want to pray over you parents right now because I know I've raised three children. I know how difficult it is. And each generation seems to get more difficult. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to empower every parent in this room to stand with strong convictions and unconditional love, administering discipline and grace, instruction and correction, God. Teach us to be self-controlled that we might teach self-control. Help us to awaken the conscience of our children as you have awakened our conscience, Lord. Give us strength, even though we're weak at times, God, to be consistent. Help us, Lord. Help us to be parents. Ignite in us a desire to research, to be taught and instructed on how to raise children, that we might know each child in the same way that you know us, God. Bless the families, Lord. Bless those that are in struggles right now. Encourage them that there's light at the end of their tunnel. Show them the way, Lord God, and grace them in Jesus' name. And for you who sit in this room right now, whether you're married with kids or not or single or divorced or wherever you might find your place in the wheel of life right now, I want to offer to you Jesus Christ. You may be sitting out here right now and you may say, you know what, my heart, what I feel in this room, what I'm experiencing today, I want this in my life, but it's not there. And I can tell you, it's the presence of God. That's what it is. Search no more. Don't try to buy it, drink it, eat it, go places to get it. You're at the throne of God right now. He's here for you right now. 
Simply, all you need to do is surrender your life. And so I'm going to help you do that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, Pastor Van, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I am ready for that. I, I, I don't, I'm just there now, right now. I want to do it this moment. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to pray for you right where you are. I want you to just raise your hand up right where you are. Just raise it up, put it right back down. Thank you right here in the front. Thank you. Thank you here. Yes, over here. Yes, thank you. Thank you over here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Over here to my left. Thank you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, folks. Come on, man. Let's serve God. Let's be the leaders of our families. Let's choose Jesus over everything else. Come on, anybody else, shoot it up, put it right back down if you haven't. Just come on, come on. Thank you. Thank you right where you are. Right in this place, Lord. I want you to repeat this simple prayer after me. Just simple. Just say these words. Say, Father in heaven, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come live inside of me and change my life. I want to belong to you. I want to be a child of God. So change me today, Lord. I surrender my life to you. From this day forward, I will serve you. And I thank you for changing me today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Let's thank the Lord. Come on, Pastor Casey. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228 228- 215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.